0: blog talk radio help!
1: I need somebody help! not just anybody
0: help! you know I need someone help! When, when I was, young, when I was, young, when so I was younger so much younger than today I never, need. I never needed anybody's help, help in Help me if you
1: can. I'm feeling down. Welcome to Monday, Monday, and if you're like me, I need a little help on this Monday. Welcome to another informative and, we hope, interesting episode of She Said, She Said, the only radio program of rock and roll contrasts and comparisons. I am your co-host, Lena Stag, the author of the Recipe Records cookbook series. You can find those cookbooks at my website, which is www.lanastagg.com, you'll see a photo and little information about the original Recipe Records cookbook, along with the 60s edition and my personal favorite, Recipe Records, a culinary tribute to the Beatles, which is found in paperback and on Kindle as well. And you'll also see My latest book, a fun salute to those bad boys of rock and roll, The Rolling Stones. Let's spend the bite together. You can find out about all of my cookbooks as well as my children's series of little dog stories. You can find all of those on Amazon as well as my website, Lanastag.com. And when you go to my website, be sure you sign up for my free newsletter and blog. We will um, have a great newsletter coming out in the next week or so, and you won't want to miss signing up for this free recipe from the Recipe Records, a Culinary Tribute to the Beatles and speaking of things you don't want to miss here is my co-host to the show
2: hey lena hey everybody hey dara i know you're out there listening and the hicks family and wasn't it great to hear our johnny singing at the top of the hour happy birthday john <laughs> we we miss you still and but you are in our hearts i am jude sutherland kessler author of the john lennon series which is a narrative history combining the life of John Lennon with the stories of his mates, the Beatles, as they progress from John's birth, his birthday on October ninth, nineteen forty, all the way up thus far we're getting ready to change that as of tomorrow but thus far up to the end of 1964 the latest book which has been out for about two months is that story of 1964 in almost a thousand pages 4,400 footnotes and at the end of every chapter where I take you on a day-to-day journey through 1964 with John at the end of every chapter I ask additional questions like biographers And I list them out, say this, 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 and this. Now let's compare and contrast. Let's look at the primary sources, and let's get to the kernel of the truth, what really happened on this date. So it is both the story of John's life and an informational study as well. Tomorrow, for John's birthday, I'm going to be kicking off book five, Shades of Life, which is going to be 1965, and what an exciting year that was. I've been reading Andrew Grant Jackson's magnificent book, 1965, and I mean, it is the <laughs> year in music, so I can't wait to take that journey with John and the Beatles. You can read samples from all four of my John Lennon series books and sign up for my newsletter, like you did for Lanus, if you will just go to my website, John Lennon Series. Dot com, But before you go scrambling away and search out all things living, Lane and I thought that we would mix things up a little bit today from our usual introduction. And we do a little quiz because I don't know if you guys realize that Lane and I have a series of five radio shows in which we debated what is the greatest rock and roll band in history, The Stones, Lena's representation (laughs) or the Beatles mine (laughs) and we had such fun traveling around the country and doing this debate for people it was a lot of fun and then we did it on air so that girl not only knows Beatles but she definitely knows Stones and taught me to appreciate the Stones never listened to the Stones never liked them until we did this debate and now I think they are fantastic as well so Lena I'm going to ask you a few questions about The Beatles, and let's see your Beatles IQ.
1: Oh, I got this. You fire away, baby. (laughs) (laughs) All
2: right, here we go. What respected Beatles author is celebrating his 20th, 20th year in the Beatles world Hmm. this year by publishing his 10th book on the group, a very timely book entitled The Beatles, White Album, and the Launch of Apple."
1: Mhm hm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's see. Um could it be only the greatest New Orleans Saints fan himself, Mr. Bruce Spicer?
2: It is. And and I mean he's this has got to be his day because Saints are on Monday night football tonight. So you got mm-hmm. it. You are darn good. Woo-hoo. Okay. Here's another one. All right. Who was asked by Hasbro as the number one authority on Beatles music to write the questions for the Beatles trivial pursuit game.
1: Ah I believe it was that savvy New Orleans tax attorney and author of The Beatles Are Coming, Mr. Bruce Spicer.
2: You got that one right too. You are good. You're good. <laughs> so I'm gonna throw you I'm gonna wind up and throw you a really long pass. This is a Hail Mary who has been a guest speaker at the Fest for Beatles fans more than any other speaker, as well as being a headliner at Beatles at the Ridge was the featured author for Beatles at the Ridge, the grand finale speaker at the Grammy Museum Symposium, speaker at Beatles Fest West out in San Francisco, and a speaker at Abbey Road on the River as well.
1: Difficult? Nah. (laughs) It's definitely the author of the... To volume work, the Beatles on Capitol Records, Bruce Spizer once again.
2: Yeah, you got. I think you, we got a theme going. What do you think?
1: I it's think a so.
2: <laughs> <laughs> One last question. Okay, and this one's a killer. Okay. Who okay. was asked to speak in New York at the Ed Sullivan Theater for the 50th anniversary of the Beatles landing in America? in 2014, and then last week was invited back up to New York for a select private listening party for the newly remastered White Album.
1: Mm, I am very, very jealous that I was not at either of those events, but I'm guessing it's the gentleman who will be speaking with you and me at the White Album Conference at Monmouth University in New Jersey, November 8th through the 10th. And he is on our show today. Mr Bruce Spicer. Hey Bruce, if you're there, welcome to the show.
3: I certainly am there. I'm getting ready to go to the Saints game and hopefully see Drew Brees break the record from most yards past, but I couldn't pass up an opportunity to be with my favorite co host of a radio show. Oh uh, well we feel the same way
2: about you and we'll be watching right along with you on T V tonight.
3: Yes, indeed. It's always fun doing the show because uh, both of you all know your Beatles so well, and it's kind of fun to hear you all go back and forth with things. And I'll probably make one of you a little happier than the other today with what (laughs) answers I give, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: (laughs) Well, let's go. Absolutely. Okay, Bruce, two weeks ago we put our heads together to consider the merits of the American versions of – the Hard Day's Night LP versus the Help LP. But would be really remiss of us not to ask you to help us do the same thing with the British versions of those two film LPs. So we're going to turn the next 18 minutes or so over to you, if you will. Please walk us through these two British LPs and you know, give us the grand tour.
3: Well, absolutely. Well, when you think about the Hard Days Night album it was remarkable you know in so many ways it's the group's third album and while the first two albums had eight originals and six cover versions of songs written by the others other people you look at this album and all 13 songs were written by John and Paul so their development as songwriters is quite impressive mm-hmm. and even more so when you consider that most of these songs were recorded over a four-day period, right after the Beatles get back from Mm. conquering America. You know, they get to the studio, they put the finishing touches on Can't Buy Me Love, which is going to be their next single, and they had recorded the basic tracks in Paris before the group headed to America. And then they knock out a so-called B-side, You Can't Do That. Mm. And then five other songs Mm. that are going to be used in the film, you know, I Should Have Known Better, If I Fell, Tell Me Why, And I love her. I'm happy just to dance with you. And in those four days, they also record I Call Your Name, giving it a new arrangement. The song had originally been given to Billy J. Kramer, and it appeared on the Mm B-side of his single Bad to Me, which was also a Lennon McCartney original. And Mm -hmm. they still found time to do a blistering version of Little Richard's Long Tall Sally. All that in four days. And then, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. we might as well start filming the movie. So this goes on then. And in an April, they're still shooting the film, and it still doesn't have a proper title. And that changes because Ringo makes one of his famous Ringoism remarks. You know, a long day on the movie set, and Ringo starts to say it's been a hard day, but then it's realizes it's the evening, so he tags on a night on it, and he says, oh, it's been a hard day's night. And John's having lunch with the film's producer, Walter Shenson, and he just casually mentions This phrase is an example of Ringo's, shall we be polite and say, distinctive use of the English language. (laughs) And Walter Shenson thought, boy, that would be a perfect title for a film that's depicting a hectic day in the life of the Beatles. So
0: Mm. anyway,
3: he thinks, yeah, that's great. And then you've got a film called A Hard Day's Night, and Shenson gets the idea, we should open and close the film with a song bearing that title. And right. so he's hmm. doing a voiceover session with John one evening and he tells John, Look, can you write a good rocker to serve as the opening and closing song? And so the next morning, this is how great John and Paul were yeah. they show up with their acoustic guitars and visit Shenson and, you know, read the lyrics off of a matchbook and boom, here it is, made mm-hmm. to order, title song and one mm-hmm. night and a hit single to boot. And they recorded this song one night in mid-April after they filmed the police chase scene for the film. So, you know, Mm -hmm. this is incredible stuff going on. And EMI, their initial plan was they were going to do a pure soundtrack album from the film. In other words, it would have the Beatles songs in the film mixed with orchestral recordings. Mm -hmm. And that's what United Artists Records did in the U.S. But in late May, EMI decides to go in a different direction and instead issue an album with the film songs on one side of the record and other Beatle recordings on the other side. So now the boys have to go back to Abbey Road, and here we are, you know, at the beginning of June, and they need more tracks for the album. Hey, no problem, we'll just knock out I'll Cry Instead. I'll be back anytime at all. When I get home, things we said today, no problem, done. And George Martin doesn't like the idea as we talked about on our last show, with Can't Buy Me Love being in the film twice. So he right. does a special edit of I'll Cry Instead so that it can be extended and used in the film. But the film's director, Richard Lester, says, nah, that song's relatively weak. I don't want to use it. So EMI says, okay, we need a single to put out. So obviously A Hard Day's Night's going to be a single, and they put Things We Said Today on the B-side. Mm-hmm. Not a bad <laughs> B-side, and oh yeah, the group knocked off a few more songs because they have Long Tall Sally and I Call Your Name sitting in their inventory that given those two songs to Capitol for their album, The Beatles' second album. But what are you going to do with those two songs in the UK? Oh, we'll just record two more songs, Matchbox and Slow Down, and we'll put them on the group's mm. first EP of previously unreleased recordings. Right, right. Well... Let's do the math. You all are pretty good at math. Let's think about this. Four days plus one day plus two days, seven days of recording sessions, 17 songs. Crazy. And out of Mm -hmm. those, 13 Mm -hmm. are Lennon-McCartney originals that comprise an album that EMI just ordered to have done.
0: That's pretty remarkable.
3: Mm -hmm. Now, Jude... You're going to like this more than most of the listeners, although there will be a lot of other listeners that like this, too. Out of the 13 (laughs) Lennon-McCartney songs on the album, John is the primary writer of 10 of those. Exactly. (laughs) Including, I knew you'd love that, A Hard Day's (laughs) Night, I Should Have Known Better, If I Fell, You Can't Do That, I'll Be Back. But let's not overlook Paul here. He had the hit single, Can't Buy Me Love get the high notes, of course, on A Hard Day's Night, and he gave us two great love songs, And I Love Her and Things We Mm -hmm. Said Today. And for me, when I watched the movie, the sequence of the group performing And I Love Her, to me, that's one of the highlights of the film. And it also was a hit single in America. Things We Said Today was such a great song that EMI, for the first time, was going to issue a double A-side with A Hard Day's Night in things we said today, but at the last minute they said, nope, we need to focus on the film's title track to help promote the film. Now, I would also be remiss if I didn't talk about George's important contribution to the album. Yeah, he sang lead on a Lennon-McCartney song, I'm Happy Just to Dance With You, but that's minor to his guitar playing. You know, while they're in America, John Paul and Ringo, because George had strap throat, were with him when they mm-hmm. met with the Rickenbacker guitar people. He's in bed with strep throat, and the three lads returned to the hotel, and they brought George a present, courtesy of Rickenbacker, a 12-string mm-hmm. electric guitar. And George falls in love with the guitars, playing it in bed, and he mm-hmm. uses it for overdubs on Camp Buy Me Love, and during the sessions plays it on You Can't Do That, A Hard Day's Night with that incredible-sounding opening mm-hmm. chord, one yeah. of the reasons it's so incredible is the neck on the Rickenbach is fairly thin, and he's able to wrap around his thumb to hold a G note by playing a different chord. <laughs> I should have known better. If I fell, I'm happy just to dance with you. Anytime at all, I cry instead. Eight different songs, and that guitar's sound dominates the album in many ways and influences countless musicians, including Roger McGuinn becomes the mm-hmm. instrument of choice for mm-hmm. folk rock groups like the Birds and even pop rock groups like the Searchers, you hear it. Yeah. And it's heavily used mm-hmm. years later by the late, great Tom Petty. So, mm. wow. and of course, mm-hmm. there would be no Beatles group without the steady beat of Ringo. After all, yeah. Paul's mm-hmm. grandfather told him that. Where would they be without your steady beat of drums, right?
0: <laughs> and
3: indeed, they're there. His thundering drum intro into Tell Me Why stands out. <laughs> His snare on any time at all where he pops that snare. And he played yeah. bongos and <laughs> on you know, on And I Love Her. And on Happy Just to Dance With You, he superimposes a loose-skinned Arabian bongo drums, and that kind of adds to the Latin flavor of the song's arrangement. Yeah. So, I mean, the superlatives. Look, this is the first album by the group where... All the songs on it are recorded on a four-track recorder. That's Mm -hmm. also important because those extra tracks gave George Martin and the group the ability to add overdubs without mixing down. It made it easy to overdub percussion, double-track vocals, and other touches that enrich the recordings and give a much fuller sound. So what you have here Mm -hmm. is a truly remarkable album for a group that had recorded its first album, a little over a year ago. Think about that. Yeah. In all original songs, they introduce mm-hmm. a new guitar sound with the Rickenbacker 12-string electric guitar. They make full use of the four-track recording by expanding instrumentation and double-tracking of vocals. You've got great playing, great singing, yeah. and most of all, great songs. So EMI's decision to not do a soundtrack album in the traditional sense, but to give fans 13 new Beatles songs was a really good move. And, you know, in the UK, it was just like, oh, here's the third Beatles album. Oh, right. look at this. All the songs are written by Lennon McCartney. And so, truly remarkable. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that the Help album is a slouch by any means. <laughs> <You> know,
0: <laughs> let's, let's, let's
3: talk about that little yeah, album. So yeah, EMI is yeah. thinking, hmm, What do we do for our first album? Just like Capitol said, we're going to duplicate the United Artists soundtrack album with instrumentals. EMI said, we're going to duplicate the success we had with that Hard Day's Night album by doing the same thing for help. We're going to have the film songs on one side and other songs by the Beatles on the other side of the album. Makes sense. And so for help, once again know the Beatles know we need songs for the movie we need to record them before the movie so you know the director Richard Lester can get familiar with them and figure out how we're going to work the songs into the movies so okay here we are mid February 65 in over a six day period I guess they weren't as prestigious as before they took two more days they (gasps) knock out 11 Mm -hmm. songs Ticket to Ride and yes it is is going to be the group's Next single. And Ticket to Ride is also going to be that hit single in the film, and it's going to be on the album. John's, you know, he's got this remarkable Yes It Is, and that's just a B side, not used in the movie, not even on the album. You know, when you can use a song like Yes It Is as a throwaway, you're doing something Mm -hmm. right. Right. So, (laughs) Ben Paul's got this great upbeat song. The Night Before has a great bridge on it, and, Mm. uh, John has this Bob Dylan influence song, You've Got to Hide Your Love Away with this you know, dominated by acoustic guitars and once again George is on a twelve string, only this time it's a twelve string acoustic. And then we've got a flute solo at the end of that. And then during the ending credits of the film, we're reminded, I need you by George Harrison.
0: And indeed <laughs>
3: right. we have I Need mm-hmm. You by George Harrison, a wonderful love song with the acoustic guitars and the volume pedal guitar sound effect that's added to that. And then Mm -hmm. Paul's got, you know, Another Girl, once again, a a great song. And, you know, every time I hear that song, I visualize the scene of the Beatles in the film with Paul pretending Mm -hmm. he's playing uh, a girl. I don't know if you can do that with the Me Too movement these days, but it's a really (laughs) clever scene. And then John's You're Going to Lose That Girl. What a wonderful song. Great sequence Mm -hmm. once again in the film where they're pretending like they're at a recording session, recording the song. And what I love about it is there are more than four instruments in the song. There are some overdubs in the song. And so, when, you know, and so you know, you have a scene where they're looking at each other playing the extra instruments. It's like, oh, we've got two Pauls here. You yeah, know, just <laughs> truly remarkable stuff. And then one of the songs they did, it's not good enough for the film. You know, George's You Like Me Too Much, plenty good enough for the album. Uh, Tell Me What Mm -hmm. You See was written for the film. Richard Lester didn't think it was good enough for the film, so that's put on side two of the album. And also during this time, they record two other songs that really aren't up to snuff. Paul's That Means a Lot. For some reason, the group just never got it to sound right. They gave it to somebody else. And If You've Got Troubles sung by Ringo, which had plenty of troubles from the start. Honestly, it wasn't a good song or performance. And you can kind of tell that Ringo knew they were in trouble because, you know, in his songs, he'd do like, ah, oh, rock on, George, one time for me. And this right. one he sings, ah, oh, rock on anybody. <laughs> but still, let's think about this. It's still a pretty remarkable six-day session. I mean, my goodness, most groups take six days to record one song with all the overdubs and stuff. So the Beatles begin filming in the Bahamas, and then once again, you know, the the film's going to be called, What, Beatles 2? And eventually they said, okay, we're going to call the film Help. And so, Mm -hmm. of course, the film has to open with the Beatles doing a song called Help. And that means time for, you know, a made-to-order song. And once again... John quickly comes up with another one, and it's a hit single, Help. Yeah. Now, the film at one time was going to be called Eight Arms to Hold You, and John thought, whew, good thing I didn't have to write a song with that title. <laughs> Later on, a group decided, hey, we'll write a song with that title. So there is a song out there called Eight Arms to Hold You, but of course not by the Beatles. One other little <laughs> bit of side bit, John although he was a brilliant songwriter, every now and then got his Beatles history wrong. And there is an interview with him where he talks about how, you know, the song Eight Days a Week was written for the film. That is not yeah. true at all. Right. John right. just got his eight arms and eight days mixed up, and mm-hmm. we'll cut right. him some slack on that.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. So, That's Beatles for Sale, and you can read about that in Beatles for Sale on Parlophone Records by Bruce Spiser.
3: You could. Who, who is this Bruce Spizer guy you keep talking about? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: he, he knows Beatles. He's a Beatles FNPedia. Ah, oh, I know the dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah.
0: So, but you know, anyway,
3: we've got this now. The Beatles have a little bit more work to do because you know they've got songs for the movie, but they have to come out with uh, additional songs for that second side of the album, mm-hmm. and so Paul, and this is just one day, he records a folk song. I've just seen a face. does Mm -hmm. this wonderful ballad Yesterday, and then does this all-out rocker I'm Down, which ends up being Mm -hmm. the B-side of Help. That's in one day? Now, to give you an idea of what John Lennon and George Harrison thought of I'm Down, they felt that I'm Down should be the A-side of the new single instead of Help, until they realized, you know, We're promoting a movie. Help has to be the A-side. But to them, I'm Mm. Down was the first time the group felt we've recorded a great rock and roll song that we've written on our own. I might dispute Mm. that with them. I don't think there's anything wrong with She Loves You and I Want to Hold Your Hand or Can't Buy Me Love. But they really loved and had a lot of fun doing I'm Down. They Mm. also did a song, Mm. Wait, and Beatle fans would have to wait to the next album to hear that one. Right, And then, whoops we need to give Ringo a song if you've got, you know, if you've got troubles isn't good enough. So they basically ask Ringo, (laughs) what would you like to sing? And he says, this is Buck Owens' song I really like, Act Naturally.
0: Mm -hmm. Could you
3: imagine a song better suited for Ringo with the opening Mm -hmm. line, they're going to put me in the movies. (laughs) Perfect.
1: Perfect. Absolutely perfect.
3: So now they're compiling the album. And, you know, they felt they'd let their fans down on the Hard Day's Night album because it only had 13 songs rather than the usual 14. And the Beatles are doing the math here. They don't want to release That Means a Lot or If You've Got Troubles or Wait. And they don't want to put the B-sides on the album Yes It Is or I'm Down, which either one of those would have been great on that album. But so what are we going to do? Well, earlier in May... While the group is filming, our, you know, the Help movie, they took a break to knock out two Larry Williams rockers for the Capitol album, Beatles Six. Why? Because Capitol said, "We want to put out a new album in the summer. We don't want to wait for the Help album. Can right. you give us some songs?" And so EMI says, "Yeah, these are some songs that aren't going to be in the movie." Capitol does the math. We're too short. So the Beatles are asked to record two new songs. So they knock out Bad Boy, and Dizzy Miss Lizzie. Great and they choose mm. Dizzy Miss Lizzie to be the pop boiler closer for the album yeah. that, you know, that George Martin used to love. And Bad Boy comes out later in the U.K. on a Beatles sort of, you know, oldies but goodies album.
0: Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I have
3: to talk mm-hmm. about Bad Boy for a minute because even though it's not in the film and it's not on the album, but the thing about Bad Boy is when you listen to the Larry Williams song, nothing wrong with it it's a song about a juvenile delinquent and it has this corny little refrain he's a bad boy well Mm -hmm. the Beatles drop that Mm -hmm. and what happens is when John Lennon is finished with bad boy it's not about a juvenile delinquent it's about a rock and roll rebel in that Mm brilliance of John so I know I've made Jude happy again but she's not the (laughs) only one out there that likes John I bet there are others
0: There are a few, there are a few.
3: (laughs) So let's talk about this. So the first album, in many ways, is John-dominated in numbers. But there's a much more balance between the John and Paul songs. George has two originals on this album, and Ringo, who didn't have a song on the album, gets to sing a song. The other thing you notice when you listen to the albums, the group is getting more comfortable with taking advantage of the four tracks in the studio. And so there's much more percussion on these songs that's been overdubbed, much more double-tracking of the vocals. On yesterday, we have strings backing up Paul's wonderful acoustic love song, and the lyrics are much more introspective. Help, as John later says, it was a cry for help. It's also more sophisticated in that it does something that the Beatles hadn't done what's familiar in rhythm and blues and gospel-type music with the call-and-response-type vocals. Right. You've got to hide your love away. How vulnerable does John appear? Yeah. I Need You shows George developing as this really great songwriter. Once again, great playing, great singing, great song. So I guess that's my my summation on the two albums. I know you'll probably... Ask me to do something impossible in a second. And <gasps> I, me, me, to. setting myself up for it. I'll let you do it. Take it away, Jude. All right,
2: man. Tell the listeners we got about thirty seconds before we cut off live. But the rest of the show will be in archive. So come back and listen to the end because we are going to put Bruce on the spot, and I know he wants to make me happy. So I know he's going to say that help is his favorite of the two albums. Is there one that stands out for you,
3: Bruce? A Hard Day's Night is my favorite (laughs) out of the two because it has a more cohesive sound. I think Side 2 of Help, although I love the songs, it's all over the place. Country, Western by Ringo, Folk, Ballad with Strings, an all-out rocker at the end that to me seems like an out-of-place coda in some ways. Song for Song, both title tracks are brilliant. Love Singles, Can't Buy Me Love, Ticket to Ride, Incredible. Each LP has standout films. I should have known better. If I Fell and I Love Her compared to You've Got to Hide Your Love Away. I need you. You're going to lose that girl. Slight edge to the first film. Side two stands out on the first one. Things We Said Today, You Can't Do That, I'll Be Back compared to I've Just Seen a Face Yesterday. Slight, slight edge to The Hard Day's Night film LP even though I think Help and Yesterday are two of the Beatles' greatest songs.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I I have to agree with you, but then why, why wouldn't I? Because obviously, really, A Hard Day's Night is almost a Lennon solo LP inside the parameters of the Beatles. So... Um, he shines in both, but and interestingly enough, I've just seen a face, um, you know, Paul had because that was one of his Auntie Jen's favorite songs. He used to play it for her, sitting on mm-hmm. her porch. So that, it, even though he pulled out four songs at the end, he did have that one in his back pocket. So
3: yeah, and, and look, <laughs> and the thing about it too, it's on the Help album, and that's another thing about it. It's it's a great song, but I always felt it's buried on side two of that album. Capital takes yeah. that and uses it to open up its version of Rubber Soul, and people begin to realize what a great song I've just seen the face is. Right, right, definitely.
1: It absolutely is. Well, Bruce, you have brilliantly broken down and evaluated the music from both of these films, and as well as the music that was additionally included on these British pressings. Next month, Jude and I will present our closing arguments in this long and winding debate about (laughs) help versus a hard day's night and you have helped us (laughs) tremendously we thank you so much and we're looking forward to spending time with you and hearing you speak at the white album symposium at monmouth university in new jersey november 8th 9th 10th and 11th tell us about what you're going to be speaking on
3: i'm going to be a very busy boy Um, Thursday night, I'll be hosting a listening party for the super deluxe edition of the White Album. I'll play some of Mm. the Esher demos, some of the outtakes, Mm. some of the stereo remix, and I will conclude the night, well, we'll conclude with Good Night, obviously, but before that, a Mm. 5.1 surround mix of Revolution 9, which will be nothing (laughs) short of terrifying. (laughs)
0: Now, (laughs) it's going to be a little creepy. Creepy.
3: Now, Friday, I believe it's on Friday, I'm going to be on a panel with Al Sussman and this John Lennon author, Jude <laughs> Sutherland-Kessler, whoever she is. <laughs> yeah. And that panel is called You Say You Want a Revolution, and it's based on Al Sussman's wonderful essay of the same name that appears in my new White Album book. And I'm also mm-hmm. going to be on a panel with Mark Lewison on the White Album Releases I'll be on another panel on the remix of the White Album. And then on Saturday, I'm giving a solo AV presentation on the White Album and the launch of Apple. And of course, I'm going to be around all weekend long hanging out with my good friends such as you all and other listeners of your show and other people who make it there. And I'll also be signing copies of my new White Album book, which will make its debut at the symposium. And today I got in the Initial copies of the book, just, you know, uh, a dozen copies that I can send to reviewers. But it looks really good, and we're ahead of schedule. So you can order now on my website, www.beetle.net, no S, beetle.net. And if you order from the site, I sign the book, and I'll be happy to personalize if requested. And we're going to be shipping pre-orders in early to mid-November, ahead of the November 22nd, publication date because we're ahead of schedule we have a standard edition at $30 a digital edition at 20 or you can order the special collector's edition which is going to have an O case with of course the Beatles embossed and it will be sequentially numbered with a bait stamp just like the original LP it wow. also is going to have an envelope which has goodies in it which will be a replica of the Apple press kit for the first four singles and a bookmark and a really cool poster. I don't want to spoil it for people, but the poster is going to really be cool. People will get a kick out of it. And mm-hmm. you also, if you get the collector's edition, you get a free download of the digital edition. All for a hundred dollars. Oh. The idea of giving people good value for their money, which means you know, if you order uh, now, meaning October eighth, because obviously the show is archived. Uh, you'll get a number in the low 200s. Uh, we're already up to that now. And um, anyway, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to the symposium. Uh, you know, check out my site beetle.net. Uh, all the regular edition books, except the new one, are on sale for 20 bucks, including that parlophone book, which talks about the Help soundtrack UK album and the uh, you know Hard Days Night album. And that book's normally $70 on sale for for 20 bucks. So do check mm-hmm. that out as I'm in a 20th anniversary mood. That is fantastic. Well, Lena <laughs> and I were going to invite
2: you for a drink in, in Monmouth, but I think you're going to be too busy. I will never
3: <laughs> be too busy to have a drink with friends.
2: All right. That sounds great. Well, we are looking forward to it. As well, And, in fact, the topic that I'll be speaking about was actually included in your new book on the White Album. And Mm -hmm. it is Lennon on the White, A Darker Shade of Pale. John would have you think from the lyrics of some of his songs that he was just the happiest he'd ever been in his life. But if you really listen to the songs on the White Album, you'll hear that he was going through a lot of very serious emotional distress at this time. And we'll talk about that. And then Lena is going to be comparing a very cool PowerPoint that I happened to get a preview of this weekend. She'll oh. be looking at the stars of yesterday and still today, the Beatles, with the hottest star today, the impact of the Beatles versus the impact of hit maker Drake, or Drizzy, as he's called.
3: Mm-hmm. And what makes oh. those
2: two hit makers? It's going to be very interesting.
3: I would say in Jude, right. speaking of speaking of the piece that you wrote for the book, it uh, you know, like the Sergeant Pepper book, we did have some people who were kind enough to send in fan recollections, and in Jude's really jumps out in the, in the book as does Dennis Dyken of the Smithereens, who wrote a, a tremendous piece. They're all fun and interesting, mm. but those two really uh, jumped out at me and were given uh, much more space. And uh, as it were, I think people. Will, And enjoy those in the book as well. And I can't encourage people enough to, to get on out. If you can make it to this White Album Symposium, it's going to really be a lot of fun, a lot of great speakers, and just great to be around a bunch of people who love the Beatles as much as we do. Oh, no. Absolutely. Great, great.
1: Absolutely. Get get more information about that White Album Conference at Monmouth University, uh, their website. I don't have it in front of me, but I think if you just Google Monmouth University, you can look up their events, and there is a specific link for this conference, which is fantastic. So um, you can also find Bruce on Twitter, which I did see a picture of his new book on Twitter today. Yes. <laughs> so I probably was the first one. So get uh get on Twitter and find Bruce and he's also on Facebook and again his website is beetle.net, and we are so looking forward to seeing Bruce uh as they say down the shore and in Jersey and um It's a sure thing, I'll be there. Faux <laughs> <laughs> so show. Okay, and Jude Kessler. Jude Kessler has a a fantastic wonderful event coming up this week to honor the wonderful John Lennon. Jude, tell us about the birthday party that you are. It's the 39th. Hosting.
2: Yeah, 39th annual John Lennon birthday party at Enoch's Irish Pub in Monroe. It's twice been recognized by Yoko. She's written thank you notes for the fact that we've been hosting it or they have been long before I moved here. Um, they started it the year before John passed. So it's the longest-running uh, continual birthday party for John. We're going to have a huge cake. We're going to have a toast to John at 9 on Facebook Live. We pass around a bottle of Irish whiskey since he so was so proud of his Irish heritage. And I uh, hope everyone can come out. Great live music, four live bands performing. So be
1: there for this big event. Excellent. I wish I could That's drive excellent. there. It sounds like a lot do. of fun. It's going to be a <laughs> blast. Uh, well, I'm I'm sure you could, but if you can't be there, you can catch her on your Facebook page live. Isn't, isn't that mm-hmm. right?
2: That's right. That's right. It's going to be live at nine o'clock. Nine
1: number right. nine. Okay.
2: <laughs>
1: All right. <laughs> That is so, so terrific. And coming up in two weeks on this very program, right here on Monday, October 22nd, we'll be hearing from a brand new author on the Beatles scene, Terry Crane. Terry is working away diligently on a new book about American Beatles memorabilia from 1964 to 66, I believe, or 64 and 65 and um, he has some very unusual collector's items to share with us and even better stories that surround each one. In fact, you might have these very items in your home. So please tune in on October 22nd at 4 o'clock right here on Blog Talk Radio, and we will get you acquainted with our friend Terry Crane. Until then, Jude and I thank you all for joining us today, and we thank our very special guest, Bruce Spizer, for this fourth debate in our A Hard Day's Night versus Help series. As we always say here, it is food for thought, food for the soul, and food for the love of rock and roll.
2: ta and shine on.
0: It's been a hard